Amen. Wonderful. How many of you brought your Bible with you this morning? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building? I want to ask you to join me way over in the New Testament this morning. And we're in the book, the only book of the Bible that talks about coffee. All right? That's in the book of Hebrews. All right, forget it then. Let's just let's get in the message then. Page, uh, chapter number 11, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. That's page number 1302. 1302, if you have an old Schofield Bible. Or the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And I'm going to ask you now, i got to tell you, and most of you who are regulars here, you know that I always have three points and usually start all my points the same letter or they rhyme or something, but I, I have none of that this morning. I don't have any of that. All I've got is just a word. And so I want to ask you, if you will, to listen this morning as I try to... Uh, uh, to uh, read some scripture and then kind of just work our way down through here. There is one point that I want to make from this text this morning, and I pray that God will use it uh, to be a blessing to our hearts. Don't forget now uh, the uh, service this afternoon at 5.30, 5.05 for prayer room. Most important thing that we do around here all week long is meet for prayer at 5.05 on Sunday afternoons. We call it Alive on the Vibes. And you need to be here because we're going to be alive. We're going to have to be here at 5, 505. And so I hope you'll be here this afternoon for prayer room and then our service tonight at 530. All right? Hebrews chapter 11. If you're there, would you say amen? All right, I want you to look this way if you will. All of us in here, all of us in here in this room this morning who like sports, I'm sure we have our favorite teams that we pull for. And on those favorite teams that we pull for, there are certain players that we really root for, and we really like for them to do well. The ultimate goal for all of those players on our teams, teams that we pull for, is to win championships. I mean, that's why they're there for, to win championships, of course, to make money, and then to one day leave a lasting legacy and hopefully be voted into the Hall of Fame. You know, all of the sports, major sports, has their own Hall of Fame, for instance, baseball has a Hall of Fame located in Cooperstown, New York. Football has a Hall of Fame located in Canton, Ohio. And baseball, uh, I'm sorry, basketball has a Hall of Fame that's located in Springfield, Massachusetts. These are the places where the best of the best are, 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 are memorialized. For instance, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, I read this week there are 331 people that have been inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. In the Football Hall of Fame, there are 326 inductees. And in the Basketball Hall of Fame, there are 300 inductees. Now, I've told you all that to tell you this. God also has a Hall of Fame. That's right. God has a Hall of Fame in the Bible. God has a place in the Bible that he lists all of the people in the Bible that did great exploits and accomplished great things for him, and God inducted them into his hall of fame. And Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter that I had to you'd open your Bible to this morning, is God's hall of fame. Now, in this hall of fame, we read name after name after name of some of the most famous people, some of the greatest people that are mentioned in the entire Word of God. We have their name, and we have a brief sketch about some great accomplishment or great exploit or great feat that they did in their lives. 
But we also find in this text, in this chapter, we also find some of the not-so-great people in the Bible. I mean some people that were real, just real, uh, you know, kind of people that just didn't read their story and you think, how in the world could somebody like that make it into God's Hall of Fame? By the way, you know how they made it? By grace. That's just what they sang about a minute ago. In fact, any way any of us make it anywhere with God is by His grace. But then in this Hall of Fame, there are the list of those that I, have to, I think we'd have to just say they are the no-names of the Bible. Now, what I want to do this morning, if you'll allow me to, I want to stop at this point, and I want to read you some of the people that we find in God's Hall of Fame. So let's begin now. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 32. Hebrews 11, verse 32, and the writer says this, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me. So he says, you know, I'm running out of time now. Time is short. I'm running out of time, and it's 1033, and I'm already running out of time. But he said, boy, the time is short. What, can I, what more can I say? And then he goes on to talk about Gideon. To, time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson. Now, hold on. Can you believe Samson made it into God's Hall of Fame? You talk about somebody who self-destructed. You talk about somebody who messed up his life. Oh, Samson did. But by grace, he made it into God's Hall of Fame. Amen. Aren't you glad God is a God of grace who always reaches out and gives people another chance? Amen. There's Samson, then of Jephthah. Who in the world is Jephthah? And then we have of David. I think we're familiar with him. Samuel, we know him a little bit. The Bible said, and of the prophets, verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, the Bible said they were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Verse 35, women received their dead, raised to life again. And, now what's that next word? And what? Uh, now we start reading about others. I'm preaching this morning on this thought. What about the others? The Bible said in verse 35, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And, what's the next word? Others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Now what I've just read this morning, this list, beginning in verse 32, going all the way down through verse number 37, I've read to you the list of several names and the stories of several people that are found throughout the Word of God. Now, i got to tell you, as I read this list, this list beginning in verse 32 down through verse 37, when I read this list, i got to tell you this, I am really blessed. I am really blessed when I read this list. But can I tell you something? I'm really bothered when I read this list. You see, when I read this list, I am blessed 
by reading the stories of those that, that God miraculously helped and marvelously delivered from their troubles. I mean, we've got the names. Look at verse 32. The very first one, Gideon. How many of y'all remember the story of Gideon from the book of Judges? He was going up against the Midianites. They were oppressing God's people. And, uh, boy, God called Gideon. Gideon was afraid. He was scared of his shadow, the Bible said. He was a fearful individual. And God called that man. Thank God's got a sense of humor. God called a coward to lead his nation against the mighty armies of the Midianites. And God, through Gideon, wrought a great victory. Aren't you glad God can use cowards to do his work? Thank God has a sense of humor. Let me tell you something. God called me to preach. That proves he's got a sense of humor. Really? I mean, here's Gideon. He started out with 32,000 soldiers to go fight the Midianites. And by the time God got, God got through with old Gideon, he had 300 men to go fight the mighty armies of the Gideonites, and yet God delivered him and gave him a great victory. That blesses me. That tells me that God can use a coward like me. Amen. And God can use people like you to do his work. We read on down. Look again at verse number, uh, verse number uh, 32. talks about Samson. Boy, what a failure Samson was. Can I tell you something? I often fail the Lord. Can I tell you something about you? You often fail the Lord. Oftentimes we let him down. Many of us have been rescued by God off the path and the roadway to self-destruction. Many of us have received a second chance from God. Many of us were a judge who became a joke that God turned him into a judge again. Boy, aren't you glad God can use people like Samson? God used old Samson. In spite of all of his failures, God used him to, to, to rid the nation of Israel from their longtime enemies, the Philistines. And then we read about an old boy by the name of Jephthah. Now, who was Jephthah? I'll tell you who he was. He was the son of a harlot. He was a castaway. His family didn't want anybody to do anything to do with him. You know why? Because he had a bad past, and he came from a bad family. But God used him in a mighty way. Boy, aren't you glad... You may hail from a bad family. Your daddy may have done this. Your mama may have done that. I mean, you may come from a bad family, but I'm glad God can get beyond all that and God can still use you to accomplish his purpose in life. Yes, sir. God used old Jephthah to go up against three mighty nations and God used that old boy from a, from a bad past. God used him in a mighty, in a mighty way. Look again at verse 32. There's David. Boy, who, who isn't blessed by the story of old David? I mean, there he is, just a teenage boy, red-headed, freckle-faced, going down to the Valley of Elah. All the mighty men of Israel are hid over the rocks and the caves. There's a giant down there by the name of Goliath cussing God, throwing rocks and kicking dirt, and daring anybody to come over there and fight. And David said, hey, is there not a cause? Somebody needs to go down there and teach that boy. He can't, he can't cuss our God like that. And before the story is over, by the time the dust has settled and the smoke is cleared, there's that little boy with the head of Goliath in his hand saying, hey, boys, looky here. God did this. Well, aren't you blessed by those stories? Man, though, I read those stories how God delivered these people from the troubles that they fought and from the battles that they, they had. God delivered them from their troubles. 
Look on down, begin in verse number 30, uh, 33. The Bible thought, talks about there, those who stop the mouths of lions. I, I don't know if that's who this is indicating, but I can't help but think about Daniel. There's old Daniel because he wouldn't change, because he wouldn't cave in to the pressures of the society that he lived in. I mean, man, they were trying to make him fit in their mold, and he wouldn't do it. He kept praying to God. They eventually cast him into that den of lions, and he slept to those lions all night long, and God, God gave those lions the locked jaw, and old Daniel stood in that cave, and then the next morning when they brought Daniel out, they threw those men that had thrown him in there in, and before they ever hit the bottom, the lions were... Tearing them to strength. God delivered Daniel from that lion's den. I read on down. Look again at verse 33. It talks about those, verse 34, who quenched the violence of fire. Now, again, I don't know if this is who the writer has in mind, but I can't help but think about them three Hebrew boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can't help but think about those boys who wouldn't bow to the image that the king had set up in the plains of Dura. They wouldn't do it. You know why they wouldn't do it? Because God had said in one of his top ten original commandments, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And they weren't going to bow to that great image that that king set up. So they were thrown into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And by the time, by the way, the men who carried them and threw them into the fire perished from the heat of the fire. And yet those boys were walking around in the midst of that fiery furnace. And there was another one walking in there with them who had the form of the Son of God. And when God brought them out, they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their garments. God delivered them. Well, that blesses me. That helps me. I read on down. Look at verse 35. I read about some women now that enters the picture. God didn't leave the women out. The Bible said there were women that re received their dead raised to life again. Now, i got to think this is dealing with Old Testament, so i got to go back to the Old Testament, and I think about two ladies in the Old Testament whose children died. They had a boy, a son, who died, and God miraculously raised their boy back to life again. There was one in the case of Elijah. The Bible said in 1 Kings 17 that there was a boy that he died, and Elijah, God sent the prophet in there to raise that boy back to life again. And then there was one in the life of Elisha. There's a Jah and a Shah. There's an Elijah and Elisha. And then there was another one that died in the days of Elisha. And God used him to raise another boy back to life again. Can't you just see these mamas? One moment they're just, they're just overcome with grief and agony because their boys have died. And the next moment God delivered them from all that. Did I tell you something? That blesses me. I mean, to read these stories of these exploits that God used people to do throughout the, the Old Testament, and I think about all of that, and I tell you, I get blessed from that. You know why? The God they served is the God I still serve. The God who did that back in those days. Hey, listen, friend, I'll tell you something. The Bible said God doesn't change. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3 says, uh, uh, I am the God, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed because I changed not. Hey, God doesn't change, and the God that they serve back in the days of the Old Testament is still the God that I'm serving. And listen, I tell you what, every once in a while, God still proves himself by delivering me from some troubles and trials in my life. I'm blessed by all that. I really am. That helps me. I mean, y'all get help from that. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I'm glad I can tell you there's a God who can deliver you from that. 
Amen. I don't know what kind of a bondage you may have in your life, some kind of addiction that you may have going on in your life right now, where it be alcohol, drugs, immorality, pornography, gambling, whatever it is. I'm glad I can point you to a God who can deliver you. There are those that we read about in the Bible that were delivered from their trouble. That blesses me. But now, when I read the rest of this, I get, I get highly bothered. Because we come on down now, and beginning in verse number 35, we start reading about the others. The others. Now stay with me. God chose to deliver some from their troubles. While we turn right around, and if you'll notice in verse 35, there's a dramatic change that takes place. Because in verse 32, verse 33, verse 34, and the first sentence, the first part of verse 35, we're reading about all these people that God miraculously and, and marvelously helped and delivered them from their troubles. And then we get right in the middle of verse 35 and we start reading about others that God didn't deliver from their troubles. God delivered them to their troubles. Now that bothers me. I think if God could do it for that other crowd, couldn't God do it for this crowd? I mean, it really starts bothering me when I read in verse 35, others were tortured. And the Bible said others uh, had trials of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover bonds of imprisonment. Others were stoned and sown asunder and were tempted and were slain with the sword and wandered about with very little. Wait a minute. Wait, hold on just a minute. God could do it for some and he couldn't do it for others? What about the others? I mean, why did God do it for why did God do it for that first crowd and then God not do it for this crowd? If God could step in and deliver uh, the boys from the fire and Daniel from the lion's den, and, and if God could keep uh, raise the little children back to life again. Why don't he do it for the others? Why is it that God does it for some and he doesn't do it for others? What about the others? We all know that God can. I think we do. We all know that God can. So sometimes, why don't he? You know, in the New Testament, we read about two men that got stoned. And I'm not talking about on weed. Y'all not watching live PD, evidently. <laughs> they got stoned with rocks. They stoned them. One, Stephen, Acts chapter 7. The other man stoned in the New Testament was the Apostle Paul, Acts 14. Both of these men were stoned. Stephen was a deacon. Paul was a preacher. Both of these men loved the Lord very much. Both of them were stoned, yet God raised Paul up and let Stephen die. Huh? You mean to tell me God would raise, raise one up and let the other one just die? What's going on with that? In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 12, there's two men that's been thrown into jail. Both of them are, both of them are preachers, Peter and, and James. And by the time that story is over, James has been killed. They've cut his head off. God sends an angel down from heaven, unlocks the, 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 the door cell for Peter. Peter gets, gets free, gets freed from jail, gets to go preach again. James loses his head. Somebody explainify that one to me. 
I mean, why did God let, let Peter get out? Why did God say, hey, couldn't he have sent an angel down to get James out too? I mean, why did he let one die and one live? I mean, what's going on with the others? We read in our New Testament about John and Peter, and they're both walking by the seaside with, with the Lord Jesus. And they're talking about the future, and Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you're going to die a horrible death, an excruciating death. And John, you're going to live to be an old man. And we know from the history of our New Testament that Peter did die. He was crucified upside down, and he, was, and he died. John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos and then brought back to Ephesus, lived to be in his 90s, died of natural causes. Wait a minute. Why didn't God do that for Peter if he did it for John? I mean, I don't understand it. Why did God let Stephen die and Paul live? Did Paul love Jesus more than Stephen? I think not. Both those men loved him so much they was willing to give their life for him. Did, did James, did, 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 did Peter love Jesus more than James? Was Peter a better Christian than James? <laughs> I don't think so. Peter was a cussing preacher. I don't think he loved Jesus more than James. Then why did God raise up Peter and let James die? Hey, I don't think John loved Jesus more than Peter. Peter was the great preacher in the book of Acts, opened, used the keys of the kingdom, opened the door to the Gentiles. God used him mightily. I don't think John loved Jesus more than Peter. Then why did God, why Jesus let John live and Peter die? Well, I tell you, you stop, start thinking about all this, it gives you an excedrin headache, don't it? Why? Why does God operate like God operates? I mean, why is it that some people are delivered from their troubles and God says to other people, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to deliver you to your troubles. What's the deal with this? I mean, stop and think about it. You see, it's at this point, if we're not careful, we reach wrong conclusions about God if we're not careful. Sometimes when we see some that are delivered from their problems and others that are delivered to their problems, we may start thinking this about God. Well, God, God is all-loving, but evidently He's not all-powerful. Oh, I know He loves me, but evidently He don't have the power that is needed to deliver me from this situation that I find myself in. Or maybe He don't have the power that He used to have. Maybe He's grown old and frail sitting up in heaven and, and uh, you know, He's just got old and He just don't have the power that He used to have. Oh, I know He loves me, but evidently He don't have the power to get me out of the problem that I'm in. We reach that conclusion or else we reach this one. Well, He's got the power all right but he just don't love me like the Bible says he does. I mean, if he's got the power and he loves me like he's supposed to, why didn't he stop this from happening to me? Why did God allow me to go through this? Why am I, why am I going through this? If he loves me like the Bible says he loves me and he has all power like the Bible says he has all power, then why does he choose to get some out of the problems and why am I sitting in this auditorium this morning up to my eyeballs in my problem and God hadn't helped me? Well, I want to, I want to encourage you this morning by telling you this. God is all-loving and God is all-powerful. I mean, I cannot, I cannot offer up any other explanation for God than just to say this. God loves everybody like crazy. And God 
is all-powerful. Listen, I'll tell you something. He's not operating on some kind of diminished power. I mean, he's not sitting up in heaven grown old. No, sir. He still loves everybody just like the Bible. In fact, he loves us so much, he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. Love beyond measure. Could we, we think, the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the skull contain the whole, though stretched from sky. Hey, I just want to tell you, God does love you this morning. And God does have all power. Then, preacher, explainify this to us then. Why did he deliver some? And, preacher, what about the others? Now, have I got your attention? Are you, are you sitting up this morning? Why does God sometimes get us out of our problems and sometimes let us go through our problems? Why does God sometimes heal somebody of cancer and somebody else dies of cancer? Let me prove something to you. Guys, y'all four stand up just a second. Now watch this, because this is a proven statistic that one out of every four people in America are going to get cancer. One out of every four. Now, I've got four men up here this morning, and if statistics are true, and, and I pray and hope they don't, but I'm just, this is just a point, but if statistics hold true, one of these four is going to get cancer. I'm, and I'm just, hopefully none of you are, but I'm just proving a point. One out of every four of us is going to get cancer. So why does God choose one and let the other three not. Why, why does God say to some, hey, I'm going to heal you of this? And to others, he say, just come on up here with me. Why is he going to say to some, hey, you live, and you, you come here. Y'all can be seated. Why? I mean, I'm asking you to help me. I mean, I'm struggling with it. Why? Why? Well, I want to give you the only answer I know to give you. I am not God, and I don't understand all the ways and the workings of God no more than, than you do, but I just want to give you the answer that I've come up with. All right? So if you'll look up on the screens, let me try to explain this one to you. Here we go. God's principles and God's promises are the same for every believer. But God's plans and God's purposes are not the same for every believer. Now let's see if we can explain the file that. God's plans, God's principles, and God's promises are the same for everybody. In other words, how many believers are in here this morning? How many people are saved? Raise your hand. All right, listen to me. I want to tell you something. Every principle that's given to us in the Bible is not just for me. It's for you also. And it's not just for you. It's for me also. Every principle. When God in the Bible says, Thou shalt not, He's just not saying that to you. He's saying that to me as well. And when God says, Thou shalt, He's not just saying that to me. He's saying that to you as well. You know, some people in our day say, Well, I don't feel convicted over that. Look, let me tell you something, friend. If God said it in the Bible, whether you feel convicted or you don't feel convicted, it don't matter. If God said don't do it, it's in the book, friend. Don't do it. The principles of the Bible are the same for all of us. 
Every one of us. God won't look at me and say, hey, Brother Tim, you can do this, and then look at somebody else and say, you can't do that. The principles, they're general, they're universal, they're for everybody. The principles of God are the same. The promises of God are the same for everybody. What about this promise? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a promise not just for me. That's a promise for you as well. God just didn't say, hey, to the preachers, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. But God said that to the deacons. And God said that to the teachers. And God said that to the choir. And God said that to every member of his family. Hey, don't worry about it. Whether you're struggling in a conflict, sitting in a clinic, standing in a cemetery, don't worry, I'll never leave you. That's a promise. What about this one? This is a good one. And I give unto you eternal life, and you shall never perish. That's a good promise, isn't it? So stay with me now. God's principles and God's promises are the same for every believer. But now let's look at that second one, and that's this. But God's plans and God's purposes are not the same for every believer. You know, God has a plan for my life, and when that plan is over, that purpose is over, God's going to take me to heaven. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when that purpose and that plan is over, then God is going to take you to heaven. You see, while God's principles and God's promises were the same to both Stephen and Paul, God had a different plan and a different purpose for Paul than he did Stephen. So, Paul, get up, son. You've got to go preach. Stephen, come up here with me, son. And old Stephen said, looked up, said, Hey, I see the heavens open. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You know what God said? Come on up here. Paul, you've got to go preach some more. God had a different plan. God had a different purpose. Hey, can I say this? God's principles and God's promises were the same for James and Peter. What, Jane, what God said to James, he said to Peter. What God said to Peter, he said to James. But when it comes to his plans and his purposes, God's plans were, Peter, you've got to go preach some more. Get back out there, James. James. Yep, yep, come up here. Different plan. Different purpose. Hey, God had the same principles and promises to both John and Peter. But the truth of the matter is God had a different plan and a different purpose for both of them. The, the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, we got to realize that God is working everything according to His will and according to His purpose. And, and though He gives us promises and principles, His plans and His purposes may be different for our life. And I want, I want to be real. I'm going to get real with you right now. Look up here. More often than not, we find ourselves in the other's crowd. I mean, I like all this stuff I just told you about Gideon and Samson and Jephthah and David and those women. I like all that stuff, but more often than not, I don't read myself in verse 32, verse 33, verse 34, or the first part of verse 35. I read myself in the last part of verse 35, verse 36, and verse 37. Because more how many of y'all find yourself in the others more often than you do in the other crowd? We find ourselves more often than not being delivered not from our troubles, but being delivered 
to our troubles. More often than not, God says, uh, I'm not going to heal you, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you grace to get through it. More often than not, God said, I'm not going to get you out of that mess, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk with you through the mess. Most of us, let's just be honest, we're in the others. I've got to be honest with you. I hadn't found myself in those first verses very much at all in my life. But I tell you, bless your heart, what I have found myself in. That 35, 36, and 37, that's where I've found myself. When I've gone through some tough times in my life, I've had some people to say to me, why you? And you know what I say? Why not me? I'm no better than anybody else. I mean, you, but you're a preacher. So? It doesn't matter. I find myself with the others. But can I give you some good counsel in closing this morning, and that's this. When you find yourself in the others, which more often than not we're going to be in, don't get bitter at God about it. If you get bitter at God and you start getting, and I know our emotions run the gamuts. I understand that. We're up and we're down. One day we got victory, the next day we got doubt. One day we're victorious, the next day we're angry. I get all that. That's human. That's part of it. We grieve. I get all that. But I just want to say this. If you get bitter at God, stick a fork in you, you're done. Don't get bitter at God. Just realize God had a different plan. And God had a different purpose for our lives. And what matters most about my life and your life as a, as a child of God, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, what matters most is this, that His plan and His purpose be done in my life. I don't know. I, I maybe by the time this year is over, this is 2020, by the time this year is over, I may be eat up with cancer. I mean, I, I, I don't know. But can I tell you something? If I am, and I have to die before the year is over, just understand this. Number one, I'm going to heaven. Don't worry about it. But then number two, can I tell you this? God had a plan. God had a purpose. And evidently, it's done, and it's time for me to come on up here. I'm going to take care of this. I've seen people get healed from their cancer. We had a lady. I pastored another church first 10 years of my, of my ministry, and her name was Beulah Pierce. Beulah Pierce was a sweet lady. Her and Joe Pierce, Joe and Beulah Pierce was a salt of the earth. Never said much, just faithful people. And Beulah Pierce got cancer. And one morning she came down the aisle and she asked the church to pray for her in the, in the service that morning. And so everything stopped in the service and the church just prayed for her. And she said that morning God healed her of her cancer. Went back to the doctor. The doctor said, the tumor, we don't see it anymore. You don't have cancer anymore. I'm telling you, that was good. That helped us. That blessed us. But more often than not, that don't help much. God says, I got a different plan and a different purpose for your life. So here's my, I, I don't have points, but here's two things I want to leave you with and we're done. First of all, I want to leave you this. When you're in the other's crowd there's going to be a lot of darkness in your life. You're going to probably say, God, why? Ain't I trying to serve you? 
Lord, ain't I doing what I'm a pay I'm saying, let's check this off. Pay him a tithe, read my Bible, faith for the church, living right, keep my sins confessed. Lord, I, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Why? There's going to be a lot of darkness when you're in that other's crowd. There's going to be times you're going to look up and say, Lord, I just don't get it. I don't understand why this is having to happen to me. But I'll tell you something. When, you're, when, there, when there's dark in your life, remember this. God is in the darkness. Let me give you a good verse. Look at this verse. I ask him to put it up on the screen. Look at this. Read it with me. Then spake Solomon. Read it with me. Ready? The Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. Hey, if you're in darkness this morning, you're not there by yourself. The Lord said, I'm going to walk with you through that darkness, that thick darkness. And can I just remind you of something, and please hear me and hear me well. Though you can see better in the day, you can see farther in the night. I mean, just a minute, we're going to walk outside, it's 11.05, we're getting ready to go. We're going to look up, and you can see maybe a mile or two that way, a mile or two that way. Look up, you can see the, the blue sky, whatever, the atmosphere, you can see all that. But you wait till night comes. If it's clear, man, you can see way up y'all. If the moon's out, how far is the moon away from the earth? You're supposed to know that. Who's... 250,000 miles. 250, thank you. Thank, how far is the sun away? 93 million miles? Guess what? Go out tonight, man, you can see all those stars, galaxies, millions of miles away. Oh, you can see better in the day, but you can see farther in the dark. And God said, I'll walk with you through the thick darkness. And then number two, and we're done. What do you remember when you're in the other's crowd? Number two is remember this. Someday, you'll understand it. Right now, we don't. I've been through some things in my life for the life of me. I don't know why. And I don't get it. And there are times I, I say, God, why? Why? What, what have I done? God, help me with this. I don't understand it. But I will some of these days. Because look at this verse right here. I'm taking it totally out of context, but it sure is some good preaching right here. Look at this verse. Here's what it says. Jesus answered and said unto him, Peter, what I do thou knowest not now. But read the rest of it. But thou shalt know. Hey, Peter, you don't understand this right now. But Peter, you just wait. One day, you will. So I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're in the others crowd, and more often than not, that's where we're going to be. Just remember, God's going to walk with you through the darkness and one day we'll get it. You know why? Because we serve a great big God. Amen. And for some reason, he gets some out of it. And for some reason, he lets others go through it. But he always will give us grace when it comes our time. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father.